Welcome into the Off the Post podcast. I'm Nick DeVoyan with my co-host Lucas Tashi. Today, we're going to be talking about the World Cup. It's near the end of the tournament. The final is going to be on Sunday, and we're recording on Friday at 3 p.m. We're going to be talking about our breakout players from the tournament, our team of the tournament, and award picks, and a preview of the final. We're also going to be going over what we thought was the best game in the tournament. We hope you guys enjoy the show. All right, Lucas. So we're going to start with our favorite game of the tournament. Tell me who your pick is and why is it Argentina Netherlands? Bro. Okay. Is that your pick? <laughs> you you took the spotlight. I mean, I didn't want to go straight into it like that because I just wanted to lead it up. There have been so many amazing games this tournament. I am going back to what I said prior to the tournament. I said this in the last pod. I was absolutely wrong about this entire tournament. I said that the players would be not going in, in as hard because they don't want to get injured. They wouldn't it, the quality wouldn't be good because it's in the middle of the season. I was completely wrong and I will take the blame for that. Like un, unbelievable tournament. I would say this is probably the best tournament in the last 5 World Cups in my opinion. Okay. The quality has been unbelievable. Like, the players have took a next level. And on top of that, the teams that you don't expect to do well have been doing well. Like, Japan making it to the round of 16. South Korea making it to the round of 16. Like, all these teams are competing, too. Like, you have Morocco, who reached the semifinals, playing for the third-place matchup tomorrow. You have Croatia, who's still doing well. Uh, you have Netherlands, who nearly beat out Argentina, who dominated the U.S. Like, all these teams have done extraordinarily well. But yeah, going back to the game of the tournament, match of the tournament, it had to be Argentina-Netherlands. Bro, Argentina up 2-0. With the penalty in the 70 mi- 70th minute, you thought, they score this, it's done, finished. Holland get, honestly, they just play, uh, what's it called, kickball at this point. Send everybody up, get all their tall dudes up front, and boom, blast the ball up, kick the ball up, header, header, whatever they can, because they have the height. And that last shot of the 90th minute to tie the game, unbelievable scenes to see a free kick orchestrated that well and to take it into extra time. Extra time, Argentina were just dominating that uh, entire 30 minutes. And then they end up pulling it off in in penalties. And just the storyline prior to that game was unreal because you had Van Hall and the whole Holland team just saying that they can do it, saying they can win. They were saying, oh, Messi? Oh, it's a team of... We're playing a team of 10 when they're defending because Messi doesn't defend. And Messi just had one of the best games of his tournament. But, I mean, that story is consistent throughout the entire tournament. Ever since that Saudi Arabia game, Messi was like, have you seen the meme of the guy playing FIFA? He's like, all right, let me lay back in the first game. And then he starts losing 2-0. And then he goes like, and he's on the edge of his seat. That's Mm -hmm. Messi. First game against Saudi Arabia, he was laying back with the controller and then he lost to Saudi Arabia. He's like, all right, let me step it up now. And now he's on the edge of his seat, and he's just showing the world why he's the best. But I do want to say, honorary match of the tournament, I'm going to be biased, Serbia-Switzerland. From a neutral point of view, 
from the group stage, that match was unbelievable. Like, the politics behind it, the actual football, 3-2 to two for Switzerland, like, back-and-forth contest, both teams needing to win to get to the uh, knockout stage. Uh, that's my second choice. Yeah, I would have to agree with you that Netherlands against Argentina was definitely the best. I mean, that set play at the end, literally the last kick of the game, essentially, uh, in stoppage time is probably one of the five greatest set plays I've ever seen, period. I mean, just the the balls to be able to to do that free kick the way they did it and for Weghorst to score uh, through the defender's legs, I mean, it was unbelievable to me. I like that. I like your pick for Serbia, Switzerland being uh, second place. I actually like Cameroon against Serbia as well. You know, the 3-3 draw, there were some unbelievable goals in that game. Abubakar's chip over the goalkeeper where he did it because he thought it was offsides and it turns out he wasn't. And then he he ended up uh, scooping it over him. Unreal goal. Uh, I really liked these three tor- uh, these three th- games. If you're talking about pure emotions and uh, and intensity and upsets, I think I think Morocco's uh, last two games before they played France were uh, were really good games. And I would say even Morocco when they played against France were a lot better than how they played against Portugal, even though they ended up losing that game. Uh, so I mean. A lot of great games, a lot of uh, teams going far that we did not expect, and a lot of impressive performances and breakout players. 100% agree with you. Like, Morocco has been unbelievable. And, I mean, I wanted to ask you later on, but I guess we can go into it now. Speaking of Morocco, where would you rate their manager in terms of the manager of the tournament? I think he has to be in the top, the top three discussion. For sure, top three. If Argentina win it, I would give it to Scaloni because of his decision to play uh, players and to start players that previously weren't starting before the World Cup, like Julian Alvarez being an example, uh, Fernandez being another example as well. So if Argentina were to win, I would give it to him, and I think he's the person leading right now. But I do think Walid uh, is probably the second manager that I can think of, second best. I, I like Deschamps' job with France as well. I thought he did really well with the decisions he made given some of the injuries that France have had. You know, people forget that they had a lot of injuries before the camp even started. Uh, Veron was hurt, you know, near the beginning of the tournament as well. And then also Benzema being out. And then also the the news about players being sick before their, their semifinal game against Morocco. So I think he's also done a, a great job. So those would be probably my my top three. Uh, but I would I would put the manager for Morocco second right now. If Argentina was to lose, right, uh, I would probably give it to him overall. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I would have Scaloni second. But if Argentina wins... There's no, there's no other manager that deserves to to be the the number one ranked coach uh, coming yeah. out. Of in terms no, of- I don't disagree at all. Everything you said was just spot on. I would say there there was probably one moment where I thought Scaloni wasn't uh, managing the game well, and that was against Netherlands, where he kept Lissandro Martinez on. Uh, but that in that game, you can't really predict. Do you still want to score a third, and that's why you probably kept him on. But his height versus the Dutch forwards, he was just getting beaten. And that's probably the only game. But like like you said, 
he's learning from what he has made in the past. Like his decisions have evolved. Like starting Alvarez over Lotaro Martinez, starting Enzo Fernandez instead of Paredes. Like these have just switched that team around. Enzo Fernandez is just an instrumental player to this Argentinian side that he's a lock for that center mid and he's just a he's a rock in front of them. So uh, really, really well done by uh, Scaloni. Um, I would say Deschamps, given the injuries, given all the issues he's had to deal with, and given the background noise that he's had, I would put him second. Because remember, before the tournament, people are already saying, oh, Deschamps doesn't have it, he can't do it, he's still not good, like he's not a good manager, he's not going to go back-to-back, they're going to get... Like, it's going to be poor. And that's why initially I thought that they would not make it past the group stage. But what we've seen is he is able to get this team cohesively together and get them on a on a level that this team is better than the 2018 World Cup winning team, in my opinion. And that is an instrumental feat for Deschamps. And that shows how strong of a manager he is especially with like all the chirping that's going on in his ear about Zidane taking his place. Deschamps, I think he is the he's second in terms of manager of the tournament. Right. But we we essentially agree on who belongs in the top 3. Just the that's rank kind of, of the top 3 is is what uh is what we disagree on and that's fine. I think I think those three are very clear. Uh, yeah. it's very just obvious just by the where we thought they would be at the beginning of the World Cup. I mean, the amount of pressure that Argentina had also after losing to Saudi Arabia uh, was massive, right? And for uh, for them to turn it around and to go on this run, it, it's been very impressive. And they get they get full credit for for every single decision that they've made. You know, I think I think, uh, and we'll we'll get into this later when we preview the final, right? I think some people may look at the teams that Argentina played early on for, you know, the beginning and say that these teams were were easier. And I would agree with that, but I think they've more than made up for it the last two rounds, uh, beating the Netherlands and beating Croatia and then having to play France in the final. You know, I don't think anybody can necessarily look back and say that, that they had uh, an easy schedule just based off of who they played in the last three rounds of the tournament, if they were to win it. You know what I mean? I mean, the group stage was very favorable and their position in the bracket was favorable, but who they played in the, the quarterfinals and the semifinals uh, were, were difficult teams to, to play. Yeah. No, I think all around, it, it was not going to be easy for any team to get into the uh, final. And, I mean, we said it would be... We said one side would be easier to get into, but that was not the case. Both sides were very, very difficult to get to the final where Netherlands, they stepped up. They became a very, very strong side. And you sh- and you saw that when they beat the U.S. 3-1. They were very dominant in that game, uh, very clinical. And Argentina, you, you never knew what was going to happen with them. And then Croatia beating Brazil. Like, you knew that was going to be a difficult matchup in the semifinals for Argentina. And the same can be said for France. They had to go through England. And if it wasn't for that Harry Kane missed penalty in the second, that second penalty, who knows what would have happened. I think the momentum would have shifted, and England could have gotten a third. But Harry Kane missing that, I mean, you see the meme of Mbappe with the biggest smile on his face. And he is just so joy. He's, like, really, really happy, obviously, because... 
Harry Kane missed the penalty, but 97 out of 100 times, Harry Kane makes that. It's just that 3% chance that he missed it, and France is through. And like you said, Morocco in that semifinal, I I looked back at the highlights because I was uh, in a meeting. They looked more dominant in that game, had more attacking prowess in that game than they did against Portugal. They did. In, in Portugal, they are against Portugal. They only had one to two attacking options, and Portugal dominated the, dominated the game, and Bobo was... Or, Bono, Bobo, Bono was uh, being just so stout defensively as a keeper. But that France game, they had chance after chance after chance, and they just didn't take it. Uh, meanwhile, I mean, France, they were just so clinical. Yeah, I agree with that 100%. I think also the the game that they played against Portugal was just suited to uh, the situations that occurred where they beca- they went up one nothing, you know, in the first half, and therefore them having to defend and then play kind of like the the counter attack, uh, it played in their favor. Versus where when France went up, then Morocco had to go out and actually attack, and they had the talent to do that, right? And they they had more chances in that game, like you were saying, than compared to Portugal. So. I think uh, I think I ultimately agree with you. They could have easily been in this final had the ball gone uh, the the right way for them. And then you could also say the same thing kind of for for Portugal and Netherlands. Those are like really the three teams that I look at where they could have essentially ended up in the final had the ball gone the way. And you know Portugal's game against Morocco, Morocco's game against France, and then Netherlands against Argentina, obviously in the uh, the penalty kick shootout. So. Yeah. Uh, I think those are really the only two, uh, only three th- teams. Brazil, you know, they lost to Croatia, but they kind of deserved it. Uh, they they thought that they had won the game as soon as they had scored, and uh, you can't play like that, especially them, and that's why their hearts ended up getting broken in the quarterfinal. Yeah, no, I hated what they were doing in the extra time once they scored that goal. Like, they were so vulnerable defensively, and you just saw – Croatia just went on the counter numerous times after they scored. Like, Brazil wanted to get uh, a second goal, but all they really needed to do is just maintain possession, and that's on them. Uh, and credit to Croatia for stepping up and being taking advantage of the opportunity once it arose. Like, really, really have to credit them. Um, but, I mean, Nick, now that we're on to the final, let's preview it before we get into the team of the tournament because – like it's just transitioning perfectly. I said this back in September. Argentina's winning it all. I don't know how I feel now. I I, I really don't know how I feel. Yeah, it's too it's super tough, right? Because I uh, I mean I picked Brazil. Obviously, I was incorrect. I think that uh, for Argentina, the two toughest matchups that they could possibly draw would be would be Brazil or France. And, uh, you know, that would be the situation where I wouldn't be sure that they could beat them. And I think France really matches up uh, very well with them. You know, if you think about their their strength, uh, France's main strength is essentially the center center of the pitch, right? Where you have you have Varane and then you have Upamecano, you have like other players, Konate, you know, even Saliba. Saliba hasn't gotten even like a minute, I don't think, this tournament. And they're very strong centrally through the pitch. You go up, it's uh, Tuchemeni, you know, Kamavinga, 
they have all these players that play really well centrally. And so they can absorb Argentina's possession-based uh, game and attacking-based game and play very well on the counterattack, especially because of Mbappe and especially because of how Mbappe played against them in the last game uh, that they played in the World Cup in 2018, where, you know, yeah. people, say, people say that it was a close game. Uh, if you were actually watching that game, it wasn't really that close as the scoreline had said. You know, it, I know it was 4-3, but but really France had a two-goal lead essentially throughout the entire time of that game. And I think uh, I think it's going to be tough. I do think it's possible, though, that Argentina could win this game, uh, given how France have kind of played, you know, lackluster, especially in the last game. And kind of you can make the argument, especially kind of against England, where yeah. England had a chance to win it. But who knows? Maybe they're motivated and maybe they wake up for this game. I just think that it's it's going to be tough for, for, for both teams. This is a banger of a World Cup final, honestly. Dude, but, it really is. It's This is going back to 2014 World Cup final, where it was just Argentina versus Germany. That was an uh, unbelievable World Cup final. Yeah, I rate this one higher than that in terms yes. of the quality of teams, right? I, this is, to me, this is like Netherlands-Spain. Uh, yes, that Netherlands team was really good. Yeah. Yeah, so, I agree. So that's, that's it's been like 12 years since we've seen uh, two squads as good as as these two playing in the final. Um, and two squads with a lot of depth, too. Yeah. Because going back to both France and Argentina, the thing about both sides is they haven't stuck with this with the same starting lineup every or back-to-back games. Like for Argentina, Scaloni, what he does, he alternates based off of what he thinks would be better for the team. So for Netherlands, he started with the three center back formation where he started Lissandro, uh, uh, Romero, and Otamendi. But then he went back to the two center back formation in the quarter uh, in the semifinals against Croatia. Going to France, they had... Uh, Chouameni, obviously, he's always been that focal point up front, but they've alternated that center mid next to him. They've had Rabio, they've had Fofana, they've had uh, Kamavinga come in. Like, it hasn't been consistent. And then one thing I need to call out is the center backs. Those definitely have not been consistent throughout the entire tournament. Yes, you called out Varane and Upamakano, but they've also had uh, Fofana come in there, uh, and they've had... Uh, Who's the other center back? Konate. They've had Konate come in as well. Like, dude, both these sides, you don't really know what's going to happen. And there's so much firepower coming off the bench. You have Lotaro Martinez coming off the bench for uh, for Argentina. You have Di Maria, who hasn't even started for Argentina. But he can even start or come off the bench, make an impact. Now for France, Benzema. Where does he come in? Because Real Madrid allowed Benzema to go back to Qatar. He's healthy enough. We don't know if he's going to start. I don't think he should start. No. But I think he can come in as a super sub. And that'll be that'll be very interesting. Uh, I think it's kind of, you know, it's it's hard to see uh, where, where he lines up. Because there's rumors that he could play. It, there's rumors that uh there that he won't play right it's it's like up in the air right now but yeah. I, I think it's really cool that uh they decided to essentially kind of uh keep him as a sub in case he he gets uh 
he becomes, you know, uh, I lost my train of thought, but but essentially he'll get a medal regardless of uh, of whether they win or not because they're guaranteed second place. And I think it's really cool that if they were to win it, they would uh, they would get the, get it. Now, I mean, I see like reports as early. And I don't know, the Daily Mail is not really reliable, but they're saying that he's not going to go. And then I see other articles saying that he could potentially be there. So I, as of right now, I have no idea. I think it would be sick, though, if he was to come on and uh, and play some type of way, re- regardless of what the uh, results would be. It'd be cool if he scored, you know, it would be sick. Uh, I love him. I'm a huge fan of his. And I hope that, you know, whatever happens, that... I don't think that this will impact his legacy if France were to win it because I think if he was to play, they would have been better than they they've been, and that's that's how I feel about it uh, personally, Lucas. No, I agree. I, I agree 100. percent I mean, predictions wise, I think it's going to be one one. I think it's going to go to extra time, and from there, I don't know what's going to happen. <laughs> I really don't know what's going to happen. Yeah. For my I, heart's sake, for my bet. For Lionel Messi's like legacy, I hope Argentina are able to take care of business uh, early on, but I think it's going to be a tough one. It's going to be 1-1, 2-2. I think it's going to be a draw. I think both teams are going to score. Uh, I know there is this trend where both teams typically play a little bit softer in the World Cup. However, with both these teams, they've been in the World Cup finals before. And with France's record, this World Cup, they've allowed goals in every single one of their games. Uh, especially yeah. even, yeah. Wait, say Except that? Except for the last one. Except for the last one, yes, yes. But, I mean, that was, Morocco had so many chances to score. And, right. like, they probably should have scored if they were more clinical. Um, but Argentina, same thing. You just never know what's going to happen with that side. Defensively, they can always crumble. Um, but I think it's going to go into extra time, potentially PKs or a moment of magic from either Messi or Mbappe. Yeah. I'm going to go to complete opposite. I think it's going to be a banger. I think whoever wins is going to win like three, two or something like that. Wow. Three, three. And then it'll go to like PKs. I want a crazy game. I want insanity. Uh, (laughs) I, you know, France, I don't. I think France will feel the pressure less compared to Argentina in this final, because of the fact that they've already won four years ago. There's way less pressure on them. Yeah. One, and you've seen in finals a lot of times teams will open up tight because of the fact that there's so much pressure on them. And I don't. I don't believe that'll happen with France. Now I believe that if Argentina starts out tight, it'll eventually open up for them and they'll be able to recover. Uh, I do have a question for you. Now that we're kind of going near the end of our preview for this final, and I want to talk about legacy, right? So it's very clear, I think, to both you and I that if uh, Messi wins this trophy, he's the greatest player ever by far. Like, yeah. I, not by far, yeah. but I think I think there's no debate that he's the greatest ever. Uh, I mean, I th- honestly, and I I think that you know it's it's crazy to say, but this tournament has really been. If he was to win the golden ball for this tournament, uh, I, I think he would deserve it more than the one he won in 2014 because I didn't think he deserved to win that one at all. 
for this one, it's either going to be him or Mbappe. And even if France won and they gave the, the golden ball to Messi, I wouldn't really be upset by that decision at all because he's been amazing this entire tournament. Um, I think for his legacy, there's no question that he's going to be the greatest ever. My question to you, though, is, and obviously, you know, Scaloni will be a legend. All those players will be legends. And I, I, before I get into this, uh, this question, I also want to highlight some of the players that are a part of Argentina's coaching staff that used to play for the national team. You know, Robert Ayala, uh, Pablo Amar, Scaloni obviously played. And then Walter Samuel, all these guys, you used to see them for the national team. And I think it's cool that, and you see Zanetti going to the games as well. I think it's cool that, you know, all these Argentinians are kind of unified and they they all want this. They're all like together on this to, to win. They're all in. Yeah, yeah. Even the ones that didn't win it want this team to win it. And you don't yeah. see With Brazil, it's totally different. Brazil, like every World Cup winning squad argues with each other over who's uh, who's going to win it. But here it's just everyone wants this team to win it for Argentina. Uh, my question to you, though, is on the flip side. What is the legacy of uh, the players that win it for France with Mbappe winning two back-to-back and then possibly winning the golden boot and the golden ball as well? And then also Deschamps, if he wins two World Cups as well. I mean, guy's guy's a legend. At that yeah. point, I mean, he's already a legend, but he goes into like rarefied air at that point, right? Yes, one thousand uh, percent. Deschamps is in contention with top three managers, top five managers of all time. I'm saying all managers. Me like too. You, I agree. Club, club, yeah. international. I think international. He'll be the top three manager of all time. Uh, top five club. I think with this two World Cups. And he had the opportunity to win a Euros in 2016 as well. Like, really, really up there with some of the best. Uh, One of the most untalked about managers in terms of uh, man management, the ability to switch the formations around and be able to get this team into another level. But a lot of it is the players that he is given. Like, the players are so talented the talent pool that france has is unbelievably uh in like depth like so much depth that they have um but the player i want to call out is mbappe if he wins this 23 years old wins the golden ball wins the golden boot two world cups by the age of 23 in this modern era not the era where pele was playing like, I wouldn't want to say farmers, but the quality was not the same back in the 60s and 70s than it is now where it's more difficult to win the World Cup, right? We we agree with this. We talked about this, like winning the World Cup now is a lot more uh, darning, a lot more like difficult, a lot more uh, grueling for the players and for the managers just because of the technical ability. Uh, Mbappe, if he wins two World Cups, the age of 23, goes on to a club team that just wins uh, all these club trophies, Champions League. Let's say he wins three Ballon d'Ors, he'll be the greatest of all time. And that is my, I, I wouldn't even consider it a hot take because the ability that he has right now, he is already managing the game at a whole nother level compared to all these other young players uh, in football. 
Mbappe, he wins, he has the potential to be the greatest of all time. Messi wins, he solidifies his GOAT status. Yeah, I agree. And I think I think if Messi wins, right, Mbappe can still get there because he's he's already won a World Cup. And I think that uh, the team will continue to be stacked for France. Like, it's never yeah. going to stop. And if especially if Zidane takes over, right, they're still going to have the managerial advantage compared to, to other teams. I, I just want to go back to Deschamps before uh, we wrap up on Mbappe as well. I want to read his uh, his accomplishments as a manager, as a club manager, because it's it's not well known, right? So he uh, he wins the Coupe de la Liga for, for Monaco in uh, 02-03. Guess what else he does? He goes to the Champions League final with them in 03-04, and he ends up losing to Jose Mourinho's Porto. So, I mean, if that game goes differently, history could be talking about him uh, through a totally different lens. But I think that's kind of like an opening to show the type of manager he He goes to Juventus, he wins Serie B when they are uh, basically in shambles and relegated due to a you know point-shaving scandal. And... He ends up going to Marseille later on. He wins the Ligue 1 for Marseille. He wins uh, the National Cup again for Marseille about three times. And then he ends up going to France. And, you know, the rest is history. So I totally agree with you. He has to be – if he wins this, he's got to be considered one of the greatest managers of all time. Yeah. I mean, I want to – I'm going to pull this up while uh, while we go to your uh, team of the tournament. But I'm, I'm, I want to look at the a number of managers that have won two World Cups because I'm just kind of curious about it. And um, – and yeah, Lucas, I think uh, I think for Mbappe, I totally agree with your your take. He would have he would have the best start to a career by any soccer player ever. Yeah, hundred percent. And on top of that, he is on pace to uh, crush crush uh, Closa's goal World Cup record of sixteen. He's 100%. literally like he has I think nine goals or eight goals right now. The age of twenty three. He probably still has at least two more World Cups. I would, I would say three, yes. maybe. Agree. Uh, he has 20, 26, where he's gonna be 27. Uh, 2030, where he's gonna be 31, and 2034, where he's gonna be 35. So it depends if he retires early or not. It's all up to him. But he has at least two more World Cups. All right. So before we go to our team of the tournament, uh, how many managers do you think? Have ever won two World Cups? Three. No, one. Only one other manager. Uh, all the way back to 1934 and 1938 for Italy. <sighs> the coach was Vittorio Pozzo. He's the only manager in footballing history to win uh, two World Cups back to back. That is as well. So, not uh, even the the manager of Brazil during the 50s and 60s. No, different managers, man. Different managers. Wow. Actually. So they had they had uh, Vicente Fiola for the f- first one in '58, uh, Morera in '62, and then uh, Zagallo in '70. So those wow. were the three. and then Scolari was the coach in '02. I thought it would have been him, if anything. Yeah. But it was actually uh, Carlos Alberto Pereira uh, as the manager in '94. Uh, so two, uh, you know, different managers. Uh, throughout and i think um i think super interesting uh really really crazy rarefied air that the champs would be in if he was to win thousand percent one thousand percent 
Um, I mean, with that, Nick, do you want to go into your team of the tournament? I think let's start with the goalkeepers and work our way up. Okay, cool. So I have uh, I have Bono as my my goalkeeper. Uh, super tight decision between him and Lavakovic, right? I think those are literally the only two choices out yeah. in this tournament. I think you can you cannot go wrong with either. Um, I'm okay with it if you have Lavakovic. Honestly, I I, I did have Lavakovic. Okay. I mean, he he is also a breakout player. I think I give it to exactly. I think I give it to Bono just o- o- over him a little bit. It's just because the uh, the players for Croatia's team, especially the defensive line, I would rate a little bit higher than Morocco's. Mm-hmm. And Morocco's was very impressive, but um, I would put I would put Bono ahead of him for that reason. Okay. And also yeah. they had PK shootout wins. You know what I mean? Yeah. The ones against uh, one is against uh, Spain, which is great. The other ones against Brazil, which Brazil, is which is fantastic. Great. You know yeah. what I mean? So uh, so I'm okay with either. Yeah, I think we'll agree with two of our defenders. Um, I'm still up in the air about one of my defenders, and then the fourth one I'm pretty locked in on. But okay. the two I think we'll agree on is Hakimi right right back. Agree. Guardiola and center back. Agree. Okay, cool. Agree. I have Maguire as my other center back. Wow, okay, I did not. Um, I have Thiago Silva as my other center back. Okay, okay. And the reason for that is because... In the group stage, in the uh, round of 16, like, and even in the game against Croatia, Brazil were so defensively sound. Like, they nobody was even getting a shot on them unless it was from outside the box from 25 yards out. And that's a testament to Thiago Silva. Like, really, I think his last tournament, he gave it all he had. Uh, and he deserves that last uh, that spot. But I was up in the air with Thiago Silva, actually. I thought potentially I should include uh, Varane or Upamecano yeah. in that center-back spot. But Varane was my other other toss-up, right? Over Guardiola, it was either Varane or him. I think Maguire I put in because uh, he had, you know, three performances where you could literally point to them and say he's the reason why England, you know, either didn't drop points or won the won the game, right? He he single-handedly in my opinion kept the US from scoring in that in that game when they played each other. Yeah. He was the standout performer. He played really well in the group stage. Uh I know his uh his, you know, Manchester United's playing style does not suit him currently and um and he really fell off of form when Ole was the manager in the second season or third season that he was uh was over the one wherever he got sacked and yeah uh mcguire has been pretty stout for england i think southgate selection is validated with him going so uh i think i think i agree with them guardiol you know uh, i know that goal that messi or that assist that messi had where he absolutely turned him was brutal for him but other than that man's been clean all tournament no real mistakes that i saw from him been defensively sound is also kind of the reason why croatia uh went through against Brazil. And then Hakimi, I mean, he's been amazing. Amazing for yeah. Morocco. Uh, 100%. Defensive- Who's your fourth defender? Or are you going to go with the 3-4-3? Three, three? I'm going to go with the 4-3-3. Three, three. Okay, so then who's your fourth uh, defender? I have Theo Hernandez as my third defender. Okay, I, I, I think... Yeah, okay. I agree. Yeah, because he's... I mean, listen, he he, re- he replaced uh, he replaced his brother. 
He's been really outstanding as the left back for them. He scored like he he's offensively great. So Theo Hernandez has definitely got to be my pick here too. Perfect. Midfield. Okay. So for my midfield, I have Griezmann. Okay. Uh, I have Amrabat. Okay. And then I have uh, Onahi. Oh, all right. So we got two of the three that we're aligned on. Okay. My third is Bruno Fernandez. Okay. I don't blame you for that one. Great pick. Yeah. Yeah. Like, I think w- nothing needs to be said about Griezmann and Amrabat. Griezmann, he has a shout to be player of the tournament. He's going under the radar right now, dude. Yeah, like, sure. really, it's crazy that he is, without him, this France side is not progressing the ball. He's the one that is able to distribute to Usman Dembele, to Kylian Mbappe. Like, without him, he's that heartbeat. Yeah, I agree with you 100%. I think Griezmann, I mean, he's been essentially their their creative box-to-box midfielder, which has been amazing. You know, he's when I looked at this team, I had no idea who the creative outlet was going to be because they're, they're uh, central midfielders. I mean, Chamani, uh, obviously you know, is, is great box to box, but most of them are leaning defensively more so than, 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 uh, you would think. And so I was like, who's going to be their creative force. And they've just used Griezmann instead. And he's been amazing. I mean, he could play in this position for another like eight to 10 years and still be world-class with the yeah. amount of work rate and shift that he's, he's put in. He's been defensively sound. Uh, I'm about, I'm sure we agree. Amazing for them. Onahi, so I gave it to him because even though he, uh, his club like level team isn't really that amazing, and he, I think he's had a breakout tournament. Uh, I feel like they, he's been in some games the better player compared to Amrabat. In Portugal's game, when Morocco played them, he was probably the the better best player on on the pitch, in my opinion. And so I would I would give it to him. Other players I would gave a shout to that I considered as well. Uh, aside from Bruno Fernandes, like you mentioned, who also, you know, is a good shout. But I consider giving it to uh, Chimeni, obviously. Bellingham deserves yeah. out. Modric, yeah. uh, Casemiro, I thought, had a great tournament, even though it ended disappointingly for him. And then yeah. I'm, Tyler Adams didn't make it to the out of the round of 16. I just wanted to mention him, though, because if they make it to the quarterfinals, then I think he's likely uh, strongly considered here. So those would be you know, my honorable mentions. Yeah, I love those honorable mentions. Like, those uh, players, I was actually nearly about to put Casemiro, Modric, uh, and Jude Bellingham in there because without them, their teams are not progressing into this tournament as uh, far as they did. But I went with Bruno Fernandes for Portugal because he was so important to that team. Like, he was distributing the ball so well, but not not just that. He was making clear, clear chances for all of his teammates. Like, he had uh, three goals, two assists, five goals, uh, contributions. Like, bro, he really had a fantastic tournament. And his work rate really just takes it to another level. Uh, He's able to uh, be so aggressive while also maintaining uh, the stability and the, the thought process to make sure that he's doing the right thing. So... I, I put Bruno Fernandez in there because when you have a player like uh, Cristiano Ronaldo who really just dipped this tournament, like he's like, peace, I'm out of here. He got benched. 
you need another player to step up, and Bruno is that player for Portugal, and he was able to get them into that quarterfinal for them. Uh, he even, in that quarterfinal, had so many chances that he created and so many chances to score. Um, so without him, this team does not go as far as they do. And me and you were talking in the group stage, Bruno, if this team went to the finals or the semifinals, whatever it may be, he had a shout for best ball. For sure. Yeah. And I think the the attacking three, if we want to go into it, I think we're going to be aligned on it. Okay. So Messi. Messi. Mbappe. Yes. And then I actually have Alvarez here. All right. So do I. Okay, cool. So Giroud, yeah. the, Giroud is really the only closest tiebreaker here. 100%. Uh, I, and I'm, maybe it'll change a little bit in the in the final, right? Given who performs better, but I think Alvarez has really changed uh, the game for Argentina. Had had uh, Lotaro Martinez kept playing and kept starting, I don't think they would have made it past the the quarterfinal stage. But Alvarez just gives him another dimension, and I think that uh, he deserves the the consideration here. Giroud, if I mean obviously if France uh, win and he scores, he he should get the nod over him, but. Yeah. I don't think you can dispute Messi or Mbappe being here at, at all. Not at all. Not at all. No way. And it sucks. Um, we yeah. had good players too, right? Like Gakpo, Saka, Richarlison all deserve shouts here. Yeah, Rashford. Uh, Rashford as well had a great uh, group stage games and and should have gotten more playing time as the the you know the the later rounds went by. But I think that uh, I think that. These the most of the players, all the players that we essentially agree on, I think deserve to to be in there. And then the only two differences we have are really the goalie, and then also uh, one center back position, and then a midfield one position. Center, yeah. But but I'm I'm I don't really have any dispute for the goalkeeper if they give it to Lavakovic, uh, totally okay. And then, um, and then honestly, center midfield, a lot of these players can can get in honestly so yeah i mean you know what's gonna happen though when france or argentina win you know it's gonna go to either martinez or loris uh for goalkeeper in that uh best 11 you just i think martinez has a good shout for it i don't think loris does because martinez is one of three goalkeepers with more than one clean sheets yeah so i i think it should if it's going to be anybody besides those two that we named it should be martinez but cheat, then I think you can you can make yes. the argument to put him in. But and he makes saves, right? I think the issue was when he played against uh I think it was against the Netherlands, both the shots that were on goal he conceded, essentially. And yeah. and so I think I mean he redeemed himself with the, the penalty shootout, but also, you know, the penalties that some of the Dutch took weren't good penalties at all. So uh I think that, you know, it's it's tough for me. I think Martinez just in my opinion, has had kind of a, like a rough tournament. I know that's that's kind of, maybe like it leans towards a hot take, but I that's just kind of how I uh, how I feel about him. Yeah. All yeah. right. No, I mean, I, there's nothing really else. Like we agree for the most part. Um, let's get into it. The bets. Yes. All right. So, uh, who are you picking to win? I'm not doing that. You're not doing that? I'm not doing it. Not I'm not doing it. Because I already, dude, I already have the bet on an Argentina from prior to the tournament. I'm not going to do anything like that. My one bet for this week, this game on Sunday. So my question is, you're not going to hedge? No, I'm not going to hedge. What? 
I'm not hedging. This is such a great opportunity for you to hedge, though, Lucas. Okay, and? Well, you gain money no matter what. <laughs> you know what I mean? So if Argentina wins, then, well, I mean, you can win a profit. You could you could profit a few hundred dollars, you know? It's, it's, it's good dinner money. That's good dinner money. Think dude, of your wife. Dude, what is, and this is going to sound really bad of me if I say it. You go out to dinner, you spend 100 bucks, right? The bet uh-huh. was 100 bucks that I put on it. Go out to dinner, you spend a hundred bucks. You're you're losing that hundred bucks. I do not want that negative energy of hedging. <laughs> okay. That hundred bucks right now, I'm thinking is like a dinner that can turn into a five course dinner if Argentina win. Okay. <laughs> okay. You get what I mean? You get what I, I got. I am not hedging. I'm not putting money on France. If it if I lose, I lose. All right. If I win, I'm a happy man. Okay, I accept it. You hear me? Yeah, I got you. That's... Would you do? Would you do what I what I'm doing? No, I would hedge. <laughs> you would hedge? Yeah, man, I'm a, I'm a, uh, I'm all about the 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 paper. So it's just logic, logic. And listen, in that situation, I understand why you would. You have yeah. emotional attachment to this. Yes. So yeah. I get it, but I wouldn't. I wouldn't think like that. If I had bet Argentina to to win, knowing that how much I uh. I mean, I don't dislike Messi. I kind of just dislike Argentina. I told you that before, but yeah. uh, it's mostly just other players besides him. I think. So then, you think I should hedge like? I don't know. Like, all right. So, so two. So if you were to bet two hundred to win uh, an additional two hundred, right? Yeah. If, if Argentina was to uh, was to to win, you you would still net five hundred profit, right? If France is to win. You would net, uh, you would net two hundred. So, so either way, you make your money back plus plus a profit. You know what I mean? You recover from your first bet when you place the hundred, and then you also get paid another hundred on top of that. You can even, yeah, I think I think that's kind of like the most optimal play right there because you're guaranteed money no matter what. You know what I mean? Your bet was Argentina to win the tournament, and then yeah, for, right now if you bet France to lift the cup you net at least $100 in profit either way. Yeah. Just think about it. Just think about it. If you're still committed, do it. You know, But what's the bet that you have? It's, uh, so the bet that I have is 100 bucks to win 800 No, 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 no. But like you had uh, something else. Oh, that- oh, oh. Both teams to score at plus 100 Okay. Yeah, both teams to score, yes, 100, plus 100 that okay. is my. That's my bet. I also think that'll happen. Okay. For sure, um, I mean they have they have player futures right. Messi is the favorite right now for the Golden Boot at minus one ninety because he has the assist tiebreaker with Mbappe. But if Mbappe gets an assist and Messi doesn't score, Mbappe effectively wins it because he uh, he has you know more goals per minute ratio than Messi. Yeah, uh, he's second at plus uh, one seventy five. Giroud and Alvarez are the remaining players that have odds available because. Uh, for any other player to win it, they would have to score four goals in this final. So Giroud and Alvarez are both plus 2,400 here. The Golden Bowl, Messi is minus 430. Uh, and then Mbappe is second at plus 470. And then you have Griezmann at plus 1,100. And then every other player after that, I think, is like an afterthought, in my opinion. Uh, Saka at, at plus 2,900. Alvarez at plus 5,000, Damian Martinez at plus 5,000, all kind of long shots to me. So I think, uh, 
I think I favor just those three uh, for, you know, a chance to win it. Bro, now you now you got me second guessing if I should hedge. Golden glove, right? <laughs> didn't even answer you. <laughs> Bono at plus 160. Emmy Martinez at plus 185. Loris at plus 480. Uh, Lavakovic at plus 500. So right now Bono is the favorite. Uh, but still, I think very interesting between these four. Uh, all four of these have been the, 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 you know, the four best goalkeepers of the tournament, though. So... Uh, Argentina top goal team goal scorer Alvarez at plus thirteen hundred, Messi at minus two thousand, and then you have France top goal scorer minus six hundred for Mbappe, plus four thirty for Giroud. Um, so this is what I'm thinking, Lucas. If you want like some kind of long shot bet, right? I think to think of the game, if you were to do something where like to score more than uh, two goals, right? That's something where I would I would be thinking about. Because I think if the goals are going to come, they're going to come uh, hot and heavy. And so I would just throw a fire on my, on Julian Alvarez and do plus 2,700 because why not? Oh, I like that. I like that. It's just if you're thinking that he's going to win the, the boot at like plus uh, – what is it? I forget what it is. Uh, if you think he's going to win the boot, you're better off just saying that he's going to score two goals. Because – Yeah. Because – because the odds for for him winning the boot are less than uh than actually scoring the two goals in the final and he needs those two goals regardless to make it. So just kind of like a a, a blip in the matrix, right? He's plus 2400 for the golden boot. He would need to score twice to win it anyway. Yep. And uh, for him to score twice is plus 2700 in the game. So just bet the plus 2700 instead. Yeah, but you can have the plus 2700 for him to score twice. And then let's say actually no yeah you're right because he would need to score twice to uh, get the golden ball or golden exactly. boot. Now if you can parlay it then it makes sense but I'm not sure I'm not sure that I'll, I'll allow it right so if I go to uh, if I go to World Cup and I go to the him to win the golden boot and if I go to the parlay because usually sometimes if they say you're not allowed to to do it then it won't happen. Yeah. So let's see. No, it won't let you combine it. Um, yeah, I think that's a that's an interesting bet in terms of value, right? You could do, I mean, Messi to have some kind of impact on the game. Anytime assist plus two eighty for Messi, I think is an interesting bet. Uh, I think Griezmann also at plus anytime uh, three, assist plus two eighty. Yeah, that's a very good bet. To have two assists or uh, to ha- to assist two or more goals. Uh, is he's plus twenty seven hundred, Messi is okay. All right. So just very interesting things, right? And I think uh, I think the reason why they have these odds this high is because they're expecting it for it to be tight. Yeah, that's that's what I think personally, right? Because I, if him, I have a really good bet. Sorry, go ahead. I just no him to score or assist is only minus one twenty, which is really good value if you're thinking about him. He's minus one twenty, and Bappe's plus one thirty. So. Uh, if, if Pablo Dybala is third, and I don't think he's played at all this tournament, he's plus one sixty. Yeah, he has two. He's had two minutes. Yeah. So, so I mean, if you're looking at these odds, I think to have either of them score or assist is uh, is interesting. But this kind of tells me that the uh, that Vegas pretty much thinks that there's going to be less goals here, right? Yeah. So, 
So I think your prediction of it being 1-1 or even 0-0 is uh, is really the the more interesting option. And and like look, looking at the odds as well, like that's exactly what they say for correct score, right? Plus 160 for for one nothing, 650 for 0-0, 650 for 0-1. Uh, 500 for one one, and then two goals to just get to two nothing is uh plus 1200 on both yeah. sides. You know what I mean? So that large jump already tells me that uh, it looks like Vegas thinks that it's gonna be a low scoring game. I mean, th- that's typically what, what we see with World Cup finals and finals in general. Like we saw it in the Champions League final last year. Uh, we see it in the Champions League final two years ago. Like the world, the Euros two years ago was one-one. Uh, like it's simply what we see. So I'm not surprised that Vegas agrees with that. Um, my one bet that I actually want to add in as well: player to have one or more shot on targets. Julian Alvarez is minus one fifty. Oh, He's that's, a, that's a pretty much a lock. If yeah. if he doesn't start. Maybe it won't happen, but just have at least one shot on target. That's going to happen. Yeah, uh, I agree. I think there's a lot of really good value bets we found here. Uh, yeah. Interesting how you can how you can figure out what to to do just based off of the odds they give you. So yeah. uh, I think I think that's it. I think we got a good uh, final preview going. Lucas, is there anything else that you want to add? Dude, you, you got me. My brain's all mumbo jumbo right now. Thinking if I should hedge. If you hedge, you won't be wrong either way. If I hedge, it's all about Messi's legacy and not about the money. Well, yeah, I mean, exactly. You're going to make money either way, and then you can just enjoy the game. I mean, I'm not going to enjoy the game because I'm just going to be stressed out. But And there's an extra level of stress, right? It's like... Yeah, you're right, you're right, you're right, you're right. Short, you're short 100, right? But now if you, if, you, if you do it, France wins, you're like, all right, well... He lost, which sucks, but I won $100. And if he wins, you're like, oh, he won. And then I won $500. So, yeah, 600 Well, if you bet if you bet 200 right, uh, then you'll get you'll get 200 back if France win. So so it'll be 200 to win 400 And then you bet 100 on Argentina originally. So you profit 100 there, right? Yeah. And then for the other way, uh, you bet essentially 200 uh, you lost that 200 by betting on France because you hedged, but then you had uh, 100 to win 700 on top. So you're right. You net 600. So there you go. There you go. Good stuff. <laughs> we'll see. We'll see. I think I'm leaning towards that, but uh, you never know what's going to happen. I mean, the tournament, it's crazy that it's just going to come to the end. And then just three days later, you have club football back with the Carabao Cup. Uh, it's very, very crazy. But I mean, I hope everybody enjoyed the tournament. I know me and Nick certainly did. Uh, and we are definitely excited for club football to come back because we love club football. But this was a nice little break. Uh, I'll give credit to FIFA where it's due. Like, this was a nice little tournament. Yeah, I still hated it. Uh, disagree with it. Never play in the winter again, ever. Uh, never give it to Qatar or any you know other country. Saudi Arabia bidding for 2030. Don't give it to them either. Yeah, um, no. Lucas, before we go, last question. Who gets third place, Morocco or Croatia? Morocco. I want Morocco, too. And with that being said, we hope you guys enjoyed the podcast. We'll catch you in a week or two when we have our next episode to preview the second half of the club season. What do you want to say, Lucas? Enjoy them, techers.